This is episode 7 of the Career Geek Podcast, and today we are talking with Dr. Jenner, who is a general practitioner. Okay, I am right now uh, in the office of uh, Dr. Jenner, the creator of Doc Rat, and also a real-life doctor in the uh, sorry, real world, uh, who's been kind enough to uh, get together with me after Midfer and talk about his career as a doctor. Now, uh, let's start from the beginning. What is the first step to becoming a doctor? Where does it start? I'm speaking about where I started, which was uh, 25 years ago or more. Um, but effectively, it's uh, quite straightforward. If you decide you want to become a doctor, you make that decision sometime in, univer- uh, sorry, in primary school or high school and then go through, uh, gain the marks to get to university and uh, go through the university course in whichever medical school you want to apply for. I started off in Western Australia and there was only one medical school at that stage so the University of Western Australia was the only option so there wasn't really any choice for that so that was a that was quite straightforward and then just go through and do the university course pass graduate and and you're in the stream that was the simple way and in that sense there were very few other options there uh, obviously different places different states you have different choices now and uh, different pathways uh, but it's still pretty much the same the only way you can become a doctor is to do the university course and get the degree is that a, a generalized degree or is there a specific uh, uh doctoring degree. Well, Sorry, actually, I just realised we should clarify something very important mm. first. Um, you're a general practitioner? That's correct. So uh, when someone passes uh, their first basic medical school, they have MBBS, which is Bachelor of Medicine, Bachelor of Surgery, which is the equivalent to MD in the United States or MBCHB in the UK. Um, MBBS is uh, the simply your your starting degree. Then you can decide whether you want to uh, or what direction you want to take your career and uh, uh, about half of all doctors roughly uh, go into general practice and about half go into either uh, professional hospital careers or specialization specialties. Um, General practice now is regarded as, in one sense, as much a specialist path, a specialised path, as uh, going through any of the uh, the more traditional specialties. So, if someone wanted to become a surgeon, he or she would then uh, take the surgical route, go apply for the surgical exams, and aim to get the specialist qualifications in the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons. Um, in which case, once they had graduated and got all those postgraduate degrees, it would be FRACS. The letters would be following after MBBS. In general practice, um, you can initially start off in general practice and continue to work as a GP, uh, but sooner or later it becomes inevitable that you will... uh, aim to get the specialist qualifications in that area. Basically, specialists in family medicine, and that's F-R-A-C-G-P, Fellow of the Royal Australian College of General Practitioners. Um, And this day and age, it's it's fairly much um, 
uh, fairly much a given that a doctor will do that sooner or later because uh, between the college and the government there's a uh, uh, there are certain incentives to try and get people get uh, doctors to reach those qualifications uh, and that really comes down to uh, income incentives to try and uh, encourage doctors to reach that next level that higher level okay so let me just uh, correct me if I, if this summary is uh, incorrect but um so you're saying that uh you you can go to medical school and become a practicing me uh, medical practitioner uh but if you want to be a specialist you need uh, to follow up with a, with another degree that's correct uh the degree awarded by whichever is the relevant college and uh in um, terms of general practice, general practice is one of those ones which is, it, it's a slightly different case from the other specialties. If you wanted to become an ear, nose and throat specialist, if you wanted to become a gastroenterologist, then by the, uh, by the law of, uh, and that goes back to the, uh, dating back to the formation of Medicare itself and the rebates from Medicare itself back in early 70s, by law you have to have pass the exams and become and you can't call yourself a gastroenterologist until you actually completed the exams with the Royal Australian College of Gastroenterologists um, but in general practice it used to be that as soon as you'd graduated as soon as you had your MBBS there was nothing stopping and as soon as you'd done your first year out in hospital there was nothing stopping you from saying I'm a GP that was back in the days when I was first training uh, but over that period of time it's changed so that yes technically you can say I'm a GP you can work as a GP you could work all your career as a GP without getting the specialist qualifications from the college but it's becoming more and more um, uh, more and more incentive is being put towards saying you should get the same level of qualifications as anyone going into any other specialty it's a very specialized field in the sense that it's a f as much as any other field it's not a soft option it's the you can exercise just as much skill in general practice as you can in any other branch of medicine you can get by exercising not much skill but the aim is to actually uh, aim is to try and strive for best practice best quality of care hmm. so how long was was your journey in study how how many years did it take you when i went through it was six years in university hmm. Uh, and then, having gone through and done a year in the um, uh, the intern year, basically the first year out um, in the hospital, then from then on, while still working in hospitals and general practices, I was studying through uh, what is now known as the general practice training program, um, and uh, that was a further three years. Uh, no, sorry, further four years. Uh, it's three years now, and um, and by the end of that, uh, by the end of that, um, I had finished my training program. That was about the time they brought in an, uh, a, a complex and comprehensive exam, the fellowship uh, exam for the Royal Australian College of General Practitioners, and I went through that exhaustive and rigorous set of exams and succeeded in that. I did other exams along the way. There's another way, by the way, I'll, I'll have to add in, if uh, parallel to the college, the RACGP, is um, 
if you wanted to be a doctor in the country, you have another option, which is to go through the Australian College of R Rural and Remote Medicine, uh, ACRAM, and in which case you would have uh, at the end the fellowship of ACRAM, which is F-A-C-R-R-M, and that's a second pathway uh, towards getting the uh, speciali specialisation in family medicine with a particular uh, ap uh, applicability to working in a rural area. Cool. I mm. should also point out that I will uh, put links uh, in, mm. the sh in the show notes uh, mm. to all these uh, places because there's mm. a lot of acronyms for people to remember, but you yes. can just check out the website and uh, look those up. Mm. Um, I was just wondering, you mentioned uh, internships. So inter as internships, that's the first stepping stone after you've graduated, am I correct? Yes, correct. Um, you uh, graduate and then you really do a basically a, your first year strongly supervised, heavily supervised in a hospital environment, um, getting hands-on experience for all the things that you'd been learning in the previous years. Mm. What about mm. if you're, I'm not sure quite high up in this position, but what if you're, you're out of your internship and you didn't get a job mm. uh, where you did an internship for whatever reason, um, how do you go about applying? Like what, what do you, how do you structure a resume if you're a, a doctor looking for work? If you're a doctor in the very early part of your career, if you're finding it difficult to get um, employment in a, in, a, in a hospital area for your internship or your second year or whatever, it can be very stressful. I know someone who was in exactly that position, who was a, an overseas trained doctor and was looking for somewhere to do her internship. It can be very stressful. Sooner or later, you keep on looking, and sooner or later you find one. You look at the, you basically look at what hospitals are offering um, hospital doctor jobs, and you just uh, keep applying. Sometimes it may be somewhere that's a long way away from where you live, and you realise that it's going to be like that for uh, for twelve months or whatever. You just have to keep looking and keep finding, uh, keep, um, keep looking, keep applying, but in the knowledge that there will always be hospital jobs for doctors, there will always be a need for doctors, and uh, sometimes you find just what you want quickly, sometimes it takes a long time, but there will never be no opportunity. Well, so what is your assessment of the industry right now for newcomers? There will always be a need for doctors, one way or another. The, tr the challenge with anyone looking to choose careers is you're trying to say what is my career path going to be 10 years from now what will the world be like 10 years from now what will be the industry's needs 10 years from now that is very difficult yet there will always be one way or another a need for doctors and when you're a doctor especially if you're a generalist like me um, it's so flexible that you can uh, you can apply your skills that you've learned to virtually any area. For example, I have worked in the city, I worked for nine years in a country town, and then not long after that I uh, went to Queensland and worked as a doctor in an Aboriginal community for a year, which was fairly much, for my part, trying to invent a health system from the ground up again, trying to work out what are the basic health needs that people need and how do I apply them, uh, starting really with uh, uh, 
with with virtually no ground, no well, very little groundwork of anything that had been laid before me, uh, and looking at the very most basic issues. And from that, I came to Melbourne and came back into general practice in the in this uh, inner suburbs and the outer suburbs. Uh, it is so flexible that whatever changes may happen in the world ten years from now, if you have uh, a wide range of medical skills, um, especially in general practice, there will always be uh, there will always be a calling somewhere. No matter how much things change, there will always be that same calling. There will always be the same ability to bend and fold your skills to whatever the latest new situation is, and there will never be a time when there's no need for doctors. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. Mm. Um, one other thing I was really wondering is, it is a long career path. Mm. Uh, there is a lot of study required and a bigger time investment. For someone who's just starting to think about this or have just started their course, what advice could you impart to them to kind of assure them whether they're on the right path or maybe if they're on the wrong path? You know, mm. What kind of person do you need to be to be a doctor, is what I'm saying. Mm. That's a question that's very important and very hard to answer because if you're thinking of becoming a doctor... In one sense, that's a particular issue you have to work out with yourself. Um, and there are interviews now in systems trying to judge how you can ch how 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 universities taking people in, how they can judge who is actually going to be a good doctor, not just on how well they performed academically, and they look at what their other skills are, their people skills, their uh, ethical problem-solving skills. Uh, no one yet has found exactly the right thing, and so even the finest minds are struggling with that very same issue. And I think if I'd sat on one, uh, uh, been asked to present myself to one of those intake interviews too, I sometimes ask myself, would I? How would I have gone? Could they have picked me then as being someone who'd be suitable for being a doctor as I am now? I think the thing that was most important to me was. How willing was I to stay the course and apply myself? Uh, if it was important for me to become a doctor, then whatever it took to gain whatever skills are needed, not only the intellectual and the, le the um, educational skills, but the communication skills, um, the people skills, the ethical skills, uh, they're all things that you can develop if you apply yourself. So I guess probably if being a doctor is something that you choose to do and if you decide you're going to stick with that, then the most important thing that you need is the ability to make sure you do whatever it takes to gain all the skills it takes to become a good doctor. Can you... Um what, what would you say are some of the real big um, mental and academic challenges you need to uh, overcome along this path? There is a lot to learn. You have to be prepared for the fact that you have to learn and learn and learn. Uh, and there are very thick textbooks. Um, and uh, I remember sometimes you just you could hurt your back lifting them, but you had to, in, at the end of the year, know everything on every page. Uh, and even to this day, I dredge up things that I remember from having read 20 years ago. So there is a lot of learning to do, and there's no getting around it, and there's no fast or 
faster way or easier way in the end than actually uh, absorbing it all. You have to be prepared sometimes too to take a long look at yourself and uh, some of the most uncomfortable things I've ever had to do have been uh, watching myself or listening to myself recorded uh, when I'm uh, in a say in a simulated interview with someone else and you look and you say oh no is that me uh, how could I be so insensitive how could I be so uh, uncommunicative and to be prepared to learn so, I'm sorry to mm. interrupt that yeah. when you say interview do you mean um, job interview or interview with a patient oh sorry uh, in the course of training oh. um, patient simulated interviews as part of some of the courses to improve your empathy and rapport skills and your communication skills so uh, at one end of the scale you have to learn a lot of facts and another end of the scale you have to improve uh, and learn to communicate better and uh, sometimes you have to take the very painful thing of actually looking at how well you communicate at the moment and that even that's a work in progress but would you say that um, if you're the kind of person who really wants to help people, you also have to couple that with um, a strong intellect as well? Yes. One of the one of the doctors, a professor who taught me at the very early one. Anyway, I'll, I'll start that again. But uh, uh, a very wise professor who taught me in my early years as a medical school. One of his quotes was, "There's more to being a doctor than just being a nice guy," and that's quite true. You have to have... They also say medicine is a science and it's an art. And I think that's, uh, that says a lot. You have, to, you have to be able to solve problems. You have to be able to see things clearly, put things together, cut out all the irrelevancies and come up with a diagnosis. But you also have to make people feel better. And that's something that you have to work at learning it's not something that everyone has magically but you have to learn how you can communicate to the extent of making someone come away feeling I like to make people feel empowered I like people to come away feeling I know more now because the doctor has given me charge of my body and my health I now am better equipped, I have better skills, I have better knowledge to know how I'm going to do it and I know that I can do it because the doctor has faith that I can. And someone really ought to walk out of my consulting room feeling stronger and more in charge than when they came in. That's part of the healing process, that's, part of, that's done by knowledge and also by communication. They're the things you have to learn as you're a doctor and uh, when you do it, when you apply what you've learnt well in your craft then you make an incredible difference to someone's life it's uh, you can empower people you can make them well you can heal them and I can't think of anything in life that has made me feel better than when I have healed people that's excellent mm. um, well we might wrap it up there is there any yeah. uh, final words of advice you'd like to impart upon our listeners who are considering following your career Ah, sense of perspective as well. Remember, there are other parts of your person. There's nothing in life that is not going to be in some way or another relevant to your studies in medicine. So if you are going to study medicine and go through, if you decide you want to go through and do that and you apply yourself hard and learn all those things, anything else you're doing, whether it's 
sailing, squash, cartooning, uh, learning Shakespeare, uh, abseiling, anything else like that, uh, there is all of that. Every single thing you do will help make you a better doctor. So nothing is wasted. Excellent. Well, thank mm. you again so much for your time. Mm. Um, this has been uh, Dr. Jenner. Uh, mm. I should also mention that Dr. Jenner also has a webcomic series called uh, Doc Rat, which you can read at uh, www.docrat.com.au. Yes, and that really is the, uh, my journey as a general practitioner, in a way, so to speak. It's uh, read that and you'll get a bit of an idea, all humorous exaggerations aside, you'll get an idea of what it's like uh, being in general practice. Excellent. And that, again, will be linked on the website. Mm. Cool. Thank, Thank you, you so much, much for your time. Thank you, Carl. You've been listening to the Career Geek Podcast, a series of interviews with professionals working in all kinds of fields and industries relevant in some way to geeky interests, in the interest of learning about how exactly you get into these kind of awesome jobs. This is also a spin-off of the Canned Geek Podcast. Now, that podcast is an hour-long discussion show of geek culture and news with myself and two other hosts, and you can find episodes of that podcast as well as more career geek interviews at www.cangeek.com, or you can subscribe on iTunes and follow the feed of both podcasts on there. And you can also check out cangeek.com for the most comprehensive and up-to-date guide to geeky conventions, meets and events happening in Australia, New Zealand and Tasmania. These episodes of Career Geek have been recorded during and after Midfer which is Australia's furry convention which was held from December 3rd to 6th, 2009 and is held every year in Melbourne in December. See, I began this project because two things converged in my mind. The first was that I noticed just how many members of the furry community worked in awesome and geeky professions. Robotics, special effects, animators, scientists, there's furries in those industries and more. The second thing was that I've been pursuing my own career aspirations and pondering questions along the lines of Am I employable in my field? So Career Geek is aimed at high school students, uni students, and really any geek who went to the movies or saw their doctor or played a video game and thought to themselves, I want to get paid to do that. As I mentioned, Career Geek was recorded around the time of Midfur, a furry convention which I'm proud to say I was working on as public relations and multimedia. It was a really fun event to attend and to work on, and it provided the perfect opportunity to talk to these furries about their awesome jobs. So I'd like to thank my fellow board members, the volunteers, our esteemed guests of honour, and every single attendee for making Midfur an amazing event. For more information on Midfur, you can visit www.midfur.com.au. That's M-I-D-F-U-R.com.au. All the links mentioned in this episode can be found in the show notes at cankeek.com, and I do plan on adding more episodes of Career Geek in the future, talking with both furries and non-furries. Lastly, and most importantly, I'd like to thank the voices behind all the people you hear in the Career Geek podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and talk with me and share your knowledge. Thank you for listening. Once again, the website is cannedgeek.com, and the music you've been hearing in the background is by Chicago Lolly. <laughs>